My name is Derek. My friend Keith and I, we host the Pop-Up Filmcast. Every episode, we talk about fake movies like they're real. Last year, Keith told me about the NYC Midnight Screenwriting Competition. It's a crazy contest where you have to write a short-form script in a small amount of time. The twist is it has to be a specific genre and incorporate a random theme and a random character. We both participated. We did fairly well, and we had a good time. So this year, we decided to do it again, invite some friends, and talk through the process. This is Midnight Writers. Episode 1, The Setup. We got together for this first recording just to talk about who we are and what are we trying to accomplish by being in this ridiculous contest. None of us are professional writers, but, you know, we just wanted to have some fun. So let's go around the room real quick. Derek, I am one of the hosts. Keith always calls me the co-host, but I'm going to call myself one of the hosts of the pop-up film cast. I guess that's where people know me from. I don't do much of anything else. During the day, I computer program. At night, I zone out and stare at things, TV mostly, kids. Um, and, and as far as screenwriting goes, I've always wanted to. I never really did. I made an attempt at it a long time ago, and I'm like, if anyone brings it up, I, I'm embarrassed by it because it's a different person at a different time sort of thing, you know, like... I've, I've, but I've always wanted to be like a writer, but writers write, and so I haven't really written a whole lot to be to call myself a writer. But honorable mention in the first round last year, which was okay. A- after I did it, I'm like, I'm going to write more screenplays, and here we are, almost a year later, and this will be the second screenplay I will have written in two years. Uh, I'm Keith. I'm the normal uh, host of the Pop Up Film Cast. <laughs> when I'm not doing podcasting stuff, I uh, insure ads get in newspapers for people, various advertisers, it's, and handle billing for that. So uh, this is a great outlet because that's the most boring possible thing in the world. And I'm actually good at it, but that's the most boring thing in the world to actually try and be good at. Uh, I recently got diecast cars. I have a lot of Legos behind me. I have comic books. I have sports cards. I have everything back here. I did participate last year in uh, the screenwriting competition. I made it to the second round and then got an honorable mention in the second round. Uh, those were the first actual like screenwriting things that I did where I actually completed them. I've got a few that are either stuck in my head or that I've scribbled down like the opening pages of and then threw aside. I, I had a really good time last year. It, I was really shocked when I made it past the first round. Um, but that, that relaxed me a lot going into the uh, into the second round. Uh, and so it was a really good overall experience. My name is Julianne. I am the other half of Mouse and Weens. So I'm also known as Weens. Right now, I am not going to my regular job, which often is doing location scouting on TV shows or movies. And uh, right now I'm doing a lot of the hobbies. Well, I'm going to school. I'm finishing up a degree I never finished. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so I've always loved the artsy world. I've always loved writing songs. And although I'm not a great guitarist, I like learning how to play some guitar songs and write lyrics and uh, did some. Well, you got Derek, you were just watching the Aquabats. That's one thing I should mention. I did some writing and directing on the Aquabats Super Show. Anyway, that's I love doing that. That was probably the most fun I've had was doing writing and directing for really small for the ADD brain, like the small self-contained short film comedy fun style of life. That's my favorite thing to do. 
I enjoy writing. I took a couple stabs at writing a screenplay myself. I took some classes. I remember taking one out in LA and then also reading Sid Field's book. If you guys ever read that. I've read that. Yeah. It was, yeah. So that one was like the go-to book. I think there's probably more current ones now, but, uh, you know, never sold anything, but boy, is it fun. I wrote, actually, I got, I submitted a couple pieces into the St. Mark's Tavern in LA where it was so much fun. You submit 10 pages of your work. And if it gets accepted, you pick actors who are just waiting there showing up and you pick them on the spot and you cast it. And then you see it right there while everyone's drinking pints and now actors are performing your work. And it was such a blast. I'm Phil Rude. I am one of the hosts of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. Um, uh, and I used to do a show called Brokebot Mountain, which was a, it started as a Westworld, uh, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. Uh, and then in the, you know, two years between seasons, we would just talk about other science fiction movies. We did that for about three years and, uh, and that finally ran out of gas, but, um, so yeah, I've been podcasting for four or five years. Um, when I'm not podcasting, I drive a truck and that pays my bills. I deliver beer, uh, around town down here in uh, South Florida. And I also do, uh, some side hustle work as a, uh, freelance illustrator and cartoonist, uh, written and drawn some children's books, some comics. I've, I've not done this contest before. Keith just sent it to me, uh, a couple months ago. This is the first time I've, I've heard of it, but, uh. I did write a full-length screenplay. I'm trying to think when it was. I had wanted to do one for a long time and took a couple bad runs at it as well. Um, But it was about, it was right after, in the first year after I, I got sober in my late 20s and suddenly found a lot of focus and, uh, and had a lot of energy to devote to something. And I read the Sid Field uh, screenwriting book and I wrote, I basically wrote a screenplay just to see if I could do it. You guys, I'm impressed. I feel um, a little less equipped and ready than all of you with your creative endeavors, but my little sister is going to hold my hand and I'm going to help. I'm going to be the... (laughs) Editor, I'm such a type A person. Anyway, I'm Joelle. I'm Mouse from Mouse and Weens. I'm just doing it to support my sister who has the chops, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't do any writing. I'm very uh, logical brain. I was a science major in school and I was a lab tech for four, five years. And then I switched over to graphic design because I do like drawing. I like art, um, but just doodles, nothing official, but I did self-teach graphic design. I went to night school. I found a free place to learn all that. So then I became a scientific kind of illustrator, graphic designer. And, um, but I mean, we were raised in a family. Our dad was always into film and acting and modeling and screenwriting. So I grew up around it. So it wasn't like anything foreign to me. I just didn't necessarily have a huge interest in doing it. So, um, but Julian and I did sit down and try to brainstorm and started to write something together, but it kind of fizzled out. We were both busy with stuff. And um, 
Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be an exciting adventure. Um, Can I call down player though? She's downplaying Why? a little bit. Is that okay to? Uh, well, I've never tried it. I'm excited. <laughs> She's super talented and you're a great cartoonist. Your stuff is hilarious. She's also really creative. She's a good singer, but keeps everything. So you're doing the, you're, Typecast, you're stereotyping yourself. Sorry, I'm just saying. There's a psychology creative. major. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Okay, well, all right. Yeah, I like I like the artsy stuff. I'm just not. Uh, I haven't done it before, so I'm excited to try it. It'll be interesting and fun, and hopefully, I'll learn a new skill set. So I'm I'm into it. I used to write my diary a lot. Does that count? As you can see, we put together a pretty eclectic group. One of us actually has an IMDb page. That's pretty cool. We're all of similar age, and we, we grew up in the 80s and 90s, and we started talking about influences, and of course, 80s movies came up. If you if you look at a lot of, eight, and not all of it, but a lot of like 80s comedy, like go and like revisit it, a lot of it is really mean-spirited. Like yeah. there is a lot of like, mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of um, just like the, the original like, I, I don't I think I just watched something about this is why I'm thinking of it like the original vacation like Chevy Chase is like a well-meaning idiot in that movie mm -hmm. but so much other stuff is just about knocking other people down and, mm -hmm. and like it's so uh <laughs> it is it's almost uncomfortable to watch now and just go man I used to think this was the funniest movie like and, yeah. and I'm just yeah. Like, I'm not that, like, ashamed of it, but it's just like, boy, it, this just really only belongs in that time that it was created. It doesn't it doesn't move forward at all. Mm -hmm. But what about uh, things like Family Guy? There's some mean-spirited. Oh, I think Family Guy stuff. is incredibly mean. I, th yeah. I, think, I think it's a, a cruel, like, its only value is, like, I'm going to shock you with how mean I am yeah. right now. Like, it's, there's nothing clever about it. Family Guy. I don't think so ever. at all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's Great. just mean. And my fifteen-year-old can amaze. Yeah, recite it like backwards and forwards. I never even looked into it. It's well. I wonder if it speaks to maturity too. Like that, for whatever reason you're looking for, you know, the shit rolls downhill. You feel insecure as young boys or whatever, and so you watch this kind of humor, and it makes you feel better about yourself putting other people down sure you haven't evolved in your humor yet so it's a timestamp for those kids or for you but guys then but does it just get like implanted in your body where you just are that like that's real comfortable and then you have to somehow yeah you have to yeah. grow yeah. up think, at a, a certain point and mm -hmm. and kind I think of a lot realize of influences like a lot of things for me are, are influenced based on like the 80s and like the early 90s and stuff but then i immediately now i'm like okay well this is probably how it should have been done instead. This is how this would have been even funnier for me. Uh, or like, okay, that's a joke that doesn't hold up. Yeah. You know, regardless of the, of any like slang or wording that could get by at the time. But, oh, it, you know, it's, it's like a, uh, you know, I saw this. It was great. I try to get my kids to rewatch something. I'm still like, well, this is great, but I can see why nobody would be interested in this now if they hadn't seen it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, if I was, you know, if I was going to do something like this, how would I then change it up, you know, and, and make something a little different out of it? I mean, I, I love all of, pretty much all the 80s stuff that influenced me, regardless of how terrible it is now. Yeah. Well, John Hughes. So look at 16 candles. I, you know, it's one of my favorite movies. And then there are some 
issues in that. I was just going to bring that up, honestly, because (laughs) I love John Hughes, uh, but 16 Candles is like the black eye on his film. Like that movie is it has some really funny parts, but yeah, like a big running joke in that movie is making fun of Asian people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it just runs the whole course of the movie. Kind of. Yeah, it's just kind of I don't think it's blatantly racist but it's uncomfortable to watch it through you just, yeah. my 45 year old self looking back it's like going, mickey rooney playing the landlord yes, with, you yeah, know and, and you're, you're just going aye, aye, aye. so it's <laughs> yeah. like our version of that a little bit but yeah. now can you still show that to your kids and point that out as like we don't like let's be aware of that but still enjoy the movie my i don't have to my uh austin when he was in high school him and his best friend were were just they were taking like a a spring break and just watching like a bunch of old movies like movies from the 80s movies that they had heard about and hadn't seen and they turned on 16 candles and something questionable happened uh early in the movie and they both kind of sat up and looked at me and i go oh yeah i forgot to tell you this movie's kind of racist and they're like (laughs) Yeah, like that. I mean, a kid. I think kids wow. now, uh, high school kids, are really aware of what's appropriate mm-hmm. and what's not. In a way, I, I think they're just to put it blatantly. I think they're more aware of other people's feelings than it's easy to be a, a straight white kid in the '80s and not blink when somebody called somebody the f word, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I that doesn't fly now because people understand like, no, no, that's a that's a bad thing to say. And it it's hurtful to a big mm-hmm. segment of people. And it's not a punchline anymore. I, mm-hmm. just, I mean, Thank it's been God. that's just been my experience with it. I mean, and Joe, I know you have uh, yep. high school age kids and and uh, Keith and Derek, your kids are younger. But I mean, do you sit down and talk to them about that kind of stuff? I mean, we will be in my house uh, having like very in depth conversations because again, my uh, my wife is black, and um, you know, so I have two mixed kids as well that they're gonna have to deal with things I never had to deal with ever uh, in my life, and that I'm learning a lot. Uh, you know, we I had a foreign exchange student from Nigeria live with me when I was a kid. Uh, my sister, uh, she's married to a black man as well. Like, I have some. Uh, Korean cousins. So I've always felt that I like this very diverse family. I found out probably not. Uh, and that we like, even, um, even if we did, there's still a lot of stuff that I was very unaware of. And right. so like, uh, my wife makes sure to point these things out to me quite often. And I get frustrated by it sometimes, but also like, these are things I need to know. Cause especially for the, the two boys, they're going to, these are things they need to know about, uh, even more you know, going forward. So like with movies and stuff, I don't think we've really run into anything specific um, to where like, we've been like, no, we're not going to watch that. Uh, it might just be more or less of like, if Shreen doesn't like a movie, then we're not, we're not going to watch it anyway uh, as a family probably. <laughs> um, but for the most part, like she'll, she'll sit down and do like the whole research thing of like, what is the like parental rating say of this? And oh yeah, yeah. What are the things that pop out? Because I'm like, can we watch this? Like, I was trying to pick out certain movies to watch, and she's like, well, it says this, this, and this, and I'm like, well, I don't remember any of that, but okay. I need to apologize for the audio in the next bit. I'm not sure what happened with my microphone, 
But the conversation steered towards modern television in contrast to our 80s influences. I, I watch a lot of TV with my eight-year-old, and a lot of the stuff that comes out now or has come out in the last decade is very positive forward, right? Like uh, everything that was when we were kids, this is almost opposite, right? Everyone has value. People are, you know, you right. sh should appreciate and enjoy people for who they are. No one needs to be anything they are. Uh, friendship and positivity and being polite, kind, and helpful. And not, like our, and it's not overt, right? It's not like, you know, saying we're all friends and we love son, you know, it's like, it's, it's not that if it's, they treat kids like they're smart and th they present things in a way that is is done so well. we, over the last year because of you know the situation of the world <laughs> we watched a lot of tv we watched all of the uh, avatar and the legend of korra which have very like I don't watch adult shows that have the political and societal themes that those shows have, and they're cartoons intended for teens, you know. And we watched uh, the new She-Ra, which is which is very inclusive um, and like just just it's so it, my my daughter is so far ahead of the game as far as like understanding culture and society and it just just from watching tv right just from watching things that are created for them whereas when we had the mr t cartoon right <laughs> like he like keith brought up earlier like we did we, we did but not like mr t cartoon was was bad but the mr cartoon mr cartoon tune the mr t cartoon was created for a very specific reason to sell Mr. T paraphernalia, right? Or Mr. T cereal or Mr. T whatever, right? And the, the story that's associated with it is, is nothing of any quality or quantity. It's just how can we cram as much Mr. T into 18 minutes, right? It was right? kind of the WWF sensibility, Hulk Hogan, Junkyard, wasn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. but it's In just... Here's what you say, Keith. Mr. T uh, is like he's a coach a of a gymnastics of team. A gymnastics <laughs> yeah, team. but like he's a dog with a mohawk. There is a little. Uh, there's a little redheaded kid who talks like Mr. T the whole time. Is dressed like him, and they. Uh, it's like a little, it, but it's like a Scooby Doo type thing. You know, um, there is a. Uh, there's an Asian girl on the team. Um, he punches a shark. <laughs> but but at the end of the day. Mr. T, what's he done? He's punched the shark. And we can't forget about those 90s indie flicks and the slacker god Kevin Smith with his giant weird shorts. Uh, and once again, I need to apologize for my microphone here. I I don't know what is going on. And and you talked about it earlier, GM, but like Kevin Smith, because Kevin Smith was like that whole indie, edgy. We were of that age. So it's like, oh, man, he made it on a credit card. I'm going to make a movie on a credit card, you know, like I'm going to do these things like, because like, why not? Right. And um, we, we, we don't have the, or I didn't have the, um, the understanding that like lightning in a bottle is, is exactly lightning in a bottle. Right. right. And, and, you know, a million people doing the same thing. One might be successful with it. Right. And it's not like you shouldn't like pursue your dreams, you know, <laughs> but 
But that was the influence when I was a kid, right? Like, I'm going to do it just like he did it because that's how he did it. And it worked for him. And I don't have any other um, sort of frame of reference. So what were, what were you guys' influences for stuff like that, for any sort of creativity process? Same. And the Brothers McMullen also was another big one. Oh, like, Ed Burns. Remember? Yeah. He came out of that same. Yeah. Uh, who's the other one? Robert Rodriguez made El Mirage on 3000 Three thousand dollars. That was accessible. He had a light bulb, a guitar, and yeah. A, yeah. a small Mexican town, and he made yes. uh, uh, El Mariachi. El, El Mariachi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like that was our generation of we mm-hmm. could do this. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I always love the dynamic duo, like when the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon thing was happening, and the Greenlight mm-hmm. Project, and all that. I always thought, okay, I'm teaming up with Julianne. She's got, she's got the magic. I'll be the marketer behind it all, and here we go. Yeah. And then I think that turned into our podcast instead. But, but we're back. Matt and um, Ben. Can I be Ben? <laughs> I, my <laughs> my influences are, I mean, uh, especially from, like, trying to write stuff. I mean, I, Kevin Smith was a huge influence on me. Um, for, my first son's name is Dante, specifically because of Clerks. Um, and even though I, I can't, his newer movies, I just, I can't get into, but those had a very strong influence on me along with like a lot of eighties cartoons. I mean, a lot of stuff we talked about, like these are some of the things that influenced me for a long time, but I also have noticed in the last, I don't know, like seven, five to seven years, I've probably found some things that are much more, uh, that would much more fall in line with my humor and, and the things that would influence me the most just in in recent years i mean um like uh atlanta the show atlanta loved every every bit of that um aziz's show when it was on uh the master of none those those comedy ones were like they borderline not being a comedy at all that can have like an episode where you laugh out and then the following episode you're like you know holding back a couple tears on things those are things that very much influence me now more than anything um, but I still like to sprinkle in, you know, so like some of the feedback that I got on the stuff that I wrote last year was uh, way too much dialogue. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Kevin Smith fan. I write a lot of dialogue into stuff. I talk a lot in general. Uh, drives most people I know nuts. And that's that's automatically in there. Like I, if I would have made it to the third round, I was really going to try and put together a dialogue free uh, script, you know, for the, oh. for the if I would have gotten mm-hmm. to the third round of it, just to see what I could have done without making the people, you know, banter back and forth. But those are, you know, those are some of the biggest key influences. But then having a, a much better version of them, you know, right now with the stuff that I get to watch nowadays. That's, uh, I, I'm right in line with a lot of what's been said already. I remember being in high school and reading, uh, an article about Robert Rodriguez and how he made El Mariachi. And my local video store was not even close to being able to have a copy of El Mariachi. I didn't see it until years later, but I remember wanting to see that movie so bad. I found it so inspirational. And this guy made a a feature movie that was getting a lot of buzz uh, with almost no money. And around the same time, like uh, true romance from, uh, Tony so Scott good. movie, but it's the Tarantino script. I was really, I loved that dialogue. I loved the the patter of it 
So I was a big Tarantino guy. The screenplay I talked about earlier is a, it, it's a straight Tarantino knockoff. Like it, it was, uh, you know, my twenties influence in, in that time where everybody was trying to do Tarantino scripts. Um, but that led me to like Jackie Brown, uh, Julianne, you and I talked about Elmore Leonard a little bit. Uh, you know, that led me to Elmore Leonard and just that awesome dialogue and the, the pulpy mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. Um, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown's so good. Out of Sight's one of my favorite movies. Uh, of of sight. Me too. And, uh, I haven't me seen too. it in a long time, so uh, I hope it's still it's good. So, it's so good. Holds it, up. It, Don Cheadle, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but uh, Albert Brooks, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Derek, you're talking about uh, stuff like Master of None. Uh, this will bring some groans, but uh, you don't have to like the guy. This is where I have to work to separate art from artists. But Louis C.K. Louis C.K. had an amazing show on FX, and uh, he made an amazing show in Horace and Pete. Louis C.K. was a really brilliant writer in that he could be serious and hilarious at the same time and that's why what happened with louis ck is the biggest tragedy to me aside from actually victimizing people Mm. like it's like you had what everybody is after and you know now you've you've kind of thrown your career away and nobody can stomach to, to to finance a project from you uh, but like that show was really, I think, amazing. I really, I it really was, loved yeah. uh, his FX show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just so, so deep. And at the same time, like an almost juvenile sense of humor. I, I don't know how he mixed it, but it was, it was so good. But that kind of writing where there's like a dark humor to it. And I think that's why I like Tarantino and why I liked Robert Rodriguez so much. So here we are, five people you know, uh, coming together to write the screenplay. And we unsurprisingly have very similar inspirations because we all grew up about the same time. But I wanted to know, what do we want to get out of this contest before we head off, right? What are we, what are we trying to accomplish? I, I just want, uh, I, I want to finish something. I want to, mm-hmm. uh, I want to see if I can beat the deadline. Um, I did a I did a comics version of this where it was a, a five page comic in five days, written and drawn with prompts, so you couldn't start early. Oh crap! And uh, the challenge was doubled by the fact that my air conditioner was uh, leaking out of my attic and flooding my house on that same weekend. So um, I had really tight co- time constraints, and I really. At the, at the end of the day, it wasn't like the highest quality thing I had made, but I had told a complete story in five pages. It was really simple, but it was done. It didn't win anything, but I felt very accomplished. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about other people's creative processes as well. Usually, again, also I'll usually always get stuck just staying in my head. So this does, you know, feel like I said, like getting something done, getting it out there. Having to turn something in by a deadline, but I'm all I'm very much interested in like the feedback that you get from the judges, and then also like hearing from people of how they actually went through this. Because even like last year, like Derek and I didn't talk much about the process of writing these things. We talked about like what feedback we got, like uh, the scripts that we did and stuff like that. But we didn't like sit down and be like, "Well, how did you come up with that? 
we didn't do like a whole like in-depth thing. And, and I'm very interested to hear some of that type of uh, that aspect of things here. I am just looking forward to doing it, period. I've never written anything except in school, like little creative pieces. So as an adult, to try to put something out there like this on a deadline and just flex that muscle for the first time. I'm I'm really excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And I'm just glad that I'm doing it as part of a team because I don't know what it would be like to be alone. I mean, there's all the logistics of it too, like the software and <clears throat> how is it supposed to be formatted and besides the concept, the story and the dialogue and characters, all that storytelling stuff that um, was never my thing. I was a science person. So yeah, it'll be neat. It's, it's out of my comfort zone and I'm super excited. I wanted to end with encouragement, with advice, something we'd heard or read or been told, something that would help us get through this competition. It was allow yourself to be bad because you're going to be bad, right? You're going to do stuff and it's going to suck. And if you don't do the things that suck, you can't get better at doing things. And I guess that kind of ties in with like, don't let perfect or great be the the enemy of good, right? And don't do, don't be afraid of good because good is good, right? It doesn't have to be perfect every time, right? right. Yeah, I would say that too. Just get it out there. Just put it out there. And it's do not something be for perfect. you. Yeah. And there's going to be different iterations of it. And it may not be the project that you hang your hat on, but just get it out there, which was mm-hmm. how we started our podcast. We just threw it out there literally within 48 hours. We just stuck a phone on a table and started talking, figured it out on the fly, and it's still going. And we've figured out the audio later and all that jazz. But yeah, we put it out there. We did it. And it's, it's one of the few things that I've, I've stuck with and done that's been a fun, good, creative project that just keeps evolving into better, I hope. So, yeah. But I don't know if that was advice. That was just a kind of dumb thing that now I can look back on and advise people to do. Just put it out. It doesn't have to be perfect. But there's And there's a lot of ways to do things, too. You could do it that way. Or you could do, like, I'm going to get six good episodes in the can and then put it out. So, no one way. But you got to put it out. But you got to yeah. put it out. You got to yeah. you got to throw it out there. Um, yep. For me, I don't I don't have specific like a, a quote, but uh, it uh, just the general um, the general advice I've gotten from following a lot of cartoonists and comic book guys is is draw every day, um, and that's specific to drawing, but it really applies to whatever you're doing. And every day doesn't have to be literally every. I don't. I don't literally draw every day anymore, but I try to try to draw or write or edit something or do something creative to keep kind of keep my brain in shape. I haven't uh, written in a bit. I signed up for this contest like what a week ago, week and a half ago. And I've written a bunch of small pieces since I'm just trying to get myself like in in shape, in fighting shape real fast, like cramming for a test. But it is like, you know, this idea of, of constantly doing something. If you have 15 minutes, you could watch something mindless on TV, or you can scroll through your phone, or you can sit down and chip away at something creative that you want to make. And, uh, and that's just it. If you want to make stuff and you want to get better at it, 
you have to do it on a regular basis. I think my, my wife has given me advice of, you know, anytime that over the past few years that I've been like, man, I, okay. Uh, I don't know if anybody's actually listening to the pop-up film cast or not, uh, but, but okay. And she's like, do you do it for people to listen or you do it because you're having fun with it? I'm like, well, I'm have fun. I mean, I'd like people to listen to it too, but she's like, okay, but you do it for you. You do it to have fun. Don't worry about anything else with it. I mean, this is a contest where I know people are going to actually look at it. They're going to make some critique and stuff on it. But for the most part, I signed up for it this year because I was like, this is going to be fun again this year. I want it in this enjoyable experience. Um, you know, last year was the, hey, you've never done this before. Let's do this. Now it was, you had fun. Let's just keep doing things that are fun and don't really worry about anybody else is going to say about it, even if those are judges involved. Don't worry about it. And that's probably the best advice that I've gotten. Can I, and are you allowed to curse? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to curse through someone else though, because it's a Brene Brown quote. All of you guys, everything you said was beautiful. So I, I would add to all of that, except she said, this is about the judgment of others. We're so worried about what other people will think. If you're not in the arena, also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. Yes. Whatever. It's not the best quote. I was but, expecting you know, worse. Yeah. I'm waiting for the swear word. Yeah. Uh, what, what? <laughs> I don't know. You guys all have kids. My sister's always yelling at me for a dirty mouth. They swear at me all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, we gave up on that. Charlotte hit 10 years old and we let it loose. I love that, Julianne. It's true. Like this, this scary audience that's out there that's judging us, sitting in judgment. Who, who are they? Who cares? You know, it's, it's, we're doing it for us and we're doing it for fun or we're doing it to grow and maybe other people will like it. Maybe they won't, but. But uh, yeah, I do see a lot of people who don't put it out there for fear of judgment and especially, and it's usually from family members and friends and people that are close to them and, and a lot of critics. And if you're not out there doing it, you know, you guys are all out there doing it. Congratulations. And I hope we're not going to be perfectionists on this journey in this uh, screenwriting competition. I don't think yeah. we have much room to be because there's such a tight time. <laughs> yeah, so. I've got to get some shit done. Thank you for listening to Midnight Writers. You can find more Phil Rude on his podcast, The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude, or on Twitter at Phil Rude. Joelle and Julianne also have their own incredibly funny podcast called Mouse and Weens. You can follow Mouse and Weens on Twitter at Mouse and Weens. Keith is host of the Pop-Up Filmcast, and you can find more of him and myself there. Follow Pop-Up Filmcast on Twitter at Pop-Up Filmcast. Finally, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Derek the number nine and then the word nine. That's Derek nine nine.